Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Courage is the driving force that propels us to step outside of our comfort zones, to face our fears head on, and to pursue our dreams with unwavering determination. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is fear walking. In a world filled with countless challenges and obstacles, courage becomes an indispensable virtue. It empowers us to stand up for what we believe in, to speak our truth even when our voices shake, and to make bold choices that defy societal norms. It is through acts of courage that we are able to propel meaningful change, starting in our communities and expanding to affect the world around us. In times of adversity and uncertainty, courage becomes even more vital. It is during these moments that we must summon our inner strength and resilience, refusing to succumb to fear or despair. Instead, we must embrace courage as a guiding light that illuminates our path forward. We must learn to cultivate courage within ourselves, and whenever we have an opportunity to encourage and inspire it in others, we should be doing just that. We should celebrate those brave souls who dare greatly and remind us that we too possess the capacity for greatness. It is through acts of courage, big or small, that we have the power to shape our destinies and create a world filled with hope, possibility, and boundless potential. You're listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Before we get started today, I do want to encourage our listeners, if you have questions or comments, or perhaps you want to share your own experiences with what you're seeing on the front lines of healthcare, you can submit those to any of the hosts by visiting americaoutloud.com forward slash nurses out loud. From there, you can select the name of the nurse you'd like to direct it to from our drop down menu. We would love to hear from you. We encourage all of you to engage in the battle and find your voice in this fight. But until you are able to do that, we will continue to be that voice for you. Joining me today is Monica Smith, a full-time activist and freedom fighter who has been on the front line of Australia's freedom movement since August of 2020 and founded two organizations, Reignite Democracy Australia and Reignite Freedom. She hit the international stage when she spent 22 days in solitary confinement in a high-security prison simply for promoting an anti-lockdown protest. She is currently touring Europe, meeting with as many freedom lovers, groups, and organizations as possible. She plans to write an article for every country she visits, along with links and explanations about the people and groups she meets there. She runs multiple awareness campaigns, educating on topics such as digital ID, the importance of keeping cash alive, global walkouts, and the excess death of Australians in 2022. Monica, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. And I've got to say that introduction is very beautiful. Well done with that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, 
It's been an interesting three years, nearly three years, has it not? Three years, isn't it? Is it more than three years now? Almost, it's, like I think, I think we're almost to three years, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the first lockdown for us was in um, April, I think, so. Oh, gosh, it has been. Wow. I can't, like, I feel like I've lost all concept of time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just been uh, insane to think that we've been doing this for as long as we have. Now, you know, for myself, my background, I'm, an, I'm a nurse. I worked in the ICU through the pandemic. And what were you doing prior to this and that just kind of, I'm, I imagine you were much like me that just kind of got thrust into all of this. Were you an activist prior to this? No, not at all. Um, although I was seeking out purpose. And um, so uh, just before COVID hit, I actually travelled uh, around USA and South America and Asia. Um, and I picked up a camera and started asking people questions. And I realised I enjoyed writing and, and making videos and editing videos. And um, I just really put myself into interesting situations so that I could grow as a person. And I just I had a feeling that I had some sort of voice, but I had no idea what it would be at all. Um, so, yes, I, I had kind of started to dabble in the in the YouTubing sort of blogging um, sphere and then I came home in like November before COVID hit. And after traveling for two years like that, it was really hard to go back to normal life. So I was, you know, I took a part-time job and I was like editing my travel videos and figuring out what to do. And then COVID happened. And I think like everyone else, um, you know, we didn't know what to do to begin with. Um, and it was really the second lockdown for me when I was like, whoa, something is wrong. And um, really when it struck me that something was wrong was a friend of mine uh, wanted to have a protest and he wasn't allowed to have the protest, which we actually respected at the time because everyone was a bit unsure. I was never scared of the virus, but I, I did kind of want to listen to authority at that point. I still trusted them. And he said, okay, I won't have a protest, but can I just go to the government building say my speech on a megaphone and have one person with a camera who happened to be his girlfriend. So they already are in contact with each other anyway. So there was no one else going to be there, just him and a camera person. And the police said no. And that for me was, hang on, it's not about health at all. And so about a month after that, um, how it all began for me, and I'm nearly finished this little wrap up, but how it began for me is I, it was winter in Australia, which is not the same as winter in parts of America and Canada, but still it was dark and gloomy and we weren't allowed to leave our house basically uh, more than five kilometres and it was pretty pretty bad and I just felt overwhelming feeling like probably everyone's pretty angry and you don't have to be a doctor to know the anger inside. It's good for you to go to school, it was outside, etc. So I thought of a way to beat the system and I had an online because again, at the time, I still respected authority a little bit. So I had an just went absolutely bonkers. I've never had a video with that many live viewers ever. And no one knew who I was. I just made up the brand. I stuck together a website. And before you knew it, within about two weeks, um, I was like a girl for the down uh, crusade in Australia. And then it just all went nuts from there. So that's, but before that, just so you know, I was in real estate normal uh, life, paying my taxes, doing what I'm told more or less. But I, uh, my mum never vaccinated any of us kids. So which obviously already been 
um, even before this happened. So we never, none of my family ever really fell in any of the sort of branching traps. Um, so pretty normal for us to question mainstream medicine. Uh, we always have. So to drag us to all these alternative weird things of pins and needles and, you know, horrors like that. Anyway, so that's, uh, it was normal for me to question these things. Yeah. And it was, you know, for me, I started, I, I was much like you, like in the very beginning, I think, you know, fear is such a strong uh, proponent of everything, but I, I was never really afraid of the virus. I mean, we deal with unknowns all the time, right? I mean, so as a nurse, so I, I wasn't really so much afraid of the virus, but I was, you know, trying to do my part, if you will, um, in the very beginning. I, I never, you know, uh, subscribe to the masks uh, that I, I knew that wouldn't work. But that's kind of what really started opening my eyes was all of the policies that were starting to come down and they were changing pretty much daily. And none of them made any logical mm. sense. And they all flew in the face to, of what we've always done in healthcare. So I just started asking questions. And when I would ask questions, you know, nobody seemed to have an answer outside of, well, this is the protocol. This is the policy. And I've never been one to accept <laughs> things like that. I'm always questioning and wanting a reason and an explanation. So it's interesting to hear that, you know, you're, I, and, I th and it was so much worse in Australia from everything that I've heard. It is, it was just so much worse. Um, it's as, almost as if you were prisoners in your homes, correct? Oh, we were. And, um, you know, people were dragged um, against their will to, to quarantine camps. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then afterwards they were sent a bill it's quite hilarious, like forced imprisonment and then you've got to pay for it. I mean, of course. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah, of course, a lot of people didn't pay for it. But it, it was um, it was kind of like I don't want to assimilate it to being in a war because that, like, I don't want to discredit how terrible a war is, but it felt like a war well, um, think, but without bloodshed. Yeah, you know, well, I think it um, is. And I think it's I think it's a war for our minds and for control. I mean, it's, it's just the battlefield is different. It looks different, but we are definitely at war. Absolutely. No, but the, the pro, what I mean more is the protests um, was actually like being at war. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, the police had all the force and we had none of it. And so it was an unfair battle and they shot rubber bullets at us and gas and tear gas and used all these really strange maneuvers and you know some of those scenes i'm sure you've seen it and if people haven't you, they can watch the free documentary battleground melbourne because i believe melbourne and maybe parts of canada were the worst and even there was one day in new zealand that was really bad as well not that it's a competition but you know it was um really strange times running from the police hiding under bridges behind bushes like we, we, just to catch up in the park we would have to hide and have like special signs and oh it was just it's just really hilarious to think about it now oh gosh. and so how long did that last we had 270 days of lockdown in victoria and that included no school no work um so it, like some of the times were different like you said it changed every day basically but um the worst time was you couldn't leave more than five kilometers which is about two miles maybe two and a half miles and there was a ring of steel around the city so if you were within that ring of steel around the cbd like the town of melbourne you couldn't leave that circle basically and you couldn't and even within your five kilometers 
you can't leave your house unless it's essential. So, um, you know, you had to have permit papers, you know, um, and the the ring of steel was manned by army and police, like with guns. And it was so strange because there was back roads with no surveillance at all. So it was just a big show um, because you could actually drive through if you wanted to. And in fact, one of the army members said, you know, there's a back road, right? Like, you know, so it was, and it's impossible to man all the roads. Like there wouldn't have been enough people. Um, and then you had border towns, you know, that were on the border of Victoria and New South Wales. And they, when you live on a border town, it, there's no border for you. you. You might work on the other side of the border or go grocery shopping or whatever. Um, and they couldn't cross the border. It was just, it was just absolute mayhem. And you're right. The masks really were a huge thing for everyone. I think I actually did uh, street interviews as soon as the mask mandates came in. I did a street interview about how people felt about the masks and I wore a mask because I thought, Oh, well, I'm making other people feel comfortable. That was the, that was, that was it for me. I just did it that once because I wasn't ready for that. I didn't know about the confrontation and what to say. Um, but you know, three, about a month before the mask mandates came in, the chief health officer of Victoria, Brett Sutton, um, sorry, a year before, he wrote a whole thesis or a whole paper or whatever you call it on how masks do not prevent the spread of disease. And then, and this is the same guy who then got on TV telling us we have to wear masks. And then like a month before the mandate came through, there was a news article and a report in the mainstream media saying, don't wear masks, don't be silly, it's not going to help anything, it's only for in-surgeries to stop the droplets going into open wounds, you know, don't be silly. And then a month later, everyone had to wear masks. So that to me was like, hang on, this doesn't make sense. Exactly. Everything just, like I said earlier, just changed day to day. And so for for the most part, were Australians kind of just going along with that and and basically being spoon-fed everything and just went right along with it? Or were they questioning? Would you say the majority were questioning and just silent? Or were they just going along to get along? Look, obviously, it's impossible for me to know. Um, And I'm in a bubble because everyone I know is like me. But what I can give you is a few statistics, and that is that there was a protest in Melbourne. Now, for anyone listening, Victoria is a state in Australia, and the whole of Victoria is probably the same size as, you know, Texas, like it's big, right? And there's only 6 million people in in the whole of Victoria, but a lot of that is country and, and it's far away from the city, right? Now, we, we had a protest one day and there was at least 600,000 people there. Now, that 6 million population is including children, babies, elderly people, etc. So if 600, let's say we'll take the 600,000 mark, that's 10% of the population and then you've got, of course, the people that couldn't attend the protest. So I don't know. I would say that it was a lot of people. And now I, I'm traveling in Europe and right now I'm in Norway. And uh, recently I was in Sweden. And what I've learned about the cultures here is that they didn't have to enforce lockdowns or mandates because the people here are actually really compliant. It's just part of their culture. I'm not saying that as a derogatory thing, uh, but the freedom fighters here say the same thing they just didn't need to do it because everyone just did it and when you didn't wear a mask people were like why why not like they just didn't really they weren't angry and they didn't mandate masks because they didn't have to um but because and 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 the reason i'm bringing that up is because traveling europe has actually made me grateful 
that the lockdowns were so bad in Australia because it woke a lot of people up. And per capita, I would I'll I'll put my hand up. I, I would say now that Australia has the best, the biggest freedom movement per capita out of any country because we only have 26 million people and we had some of the biggest protests that any any freedom uh, people had. We had another protest in Canberra, which is really far away from everywhere. Like some people, just, just so your viewers know, uh, Australia is the same size as America and, and Europe, okay, and you had people driving 40 hours to go to this event and there was 700,000 people there. I had to drive 12 hours to get there. So imagine all the people that couldn't come is my point. So I would say that Australia did really well and I think if they tried to do something again, I think it would be the most magnificent thing to experience in my life because I think since then a lot of people have woken up but we don't know who they are because there hasn't been a need for protest. But when there is, I think that 600,000 will double. Um, so the answer is I think we did really well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say that COVID did have silver linings, right? Because in it, mm -hmm. you know, big pharma, the captured government agencies, they overplayed their hand. They absolutely overplayed oh, yeah. their hand. And so many woke up to what's been going on for too long, even myself included to a certain degree. Yes, I've questioned things for a long time, but you know, I didn't come into this fight anti-vax. I um, was pro-vaccine throughout most of my nursing career. And, uh, and it was mostly because, and I'm, I'm very ashamed to, uh, every time I have to admit this, I'm just very ashamed that it was because I just didn't do the research on this. I always implicitly trusted that, you know, everybody um, that was in those positions were, were doing their due diligence. And I accepted that and, you know, shame on me, but this is really what woke me up and I can say never again. Um, and I hope that 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 is going to be the silver lining of COVID is that people are never going to allow anything like this to happen again, what they did to us and what they did done to our children. You know, we have to start pushing back and inspiring courage in everybody around us. Yeah, I actually think it's hilarious because they created anti-vaxxers that never would have been anti-vax before. Exactly. So, and not just anti-vax, they've created a whole problem for themselves because people are actually, unfortunately, questioning too many things. People have become a little bit paranoid, but um, at the same time, they also now question all pharmaceutical drugs, mm -hmm. not just vaccines. Like everything is just coming into question. So I think it's kind of hilarious, actually. It really is. They really shot themselves in the foot with this one. I mean, they yeah. really did. Yeah. I was like, oh gosh, like they, who, who, who thought this up? And like, did they really put any thought behind it? But I think that, you know, Honestly, what happened in 2020 and moving forward, I really believe that that was just a dress rehearsal for what they have coming. I think that was a test to see how compliant everyone would be. And unfortunately, at least I, I know here in America, the majority of the people were very compliant, not asking questions and doing whatever they had to do. Um, I, don't know, I have another perspective on that. I mean, what if... You know, you know how they tried to bring in other variants and things like that? They tried monkeypox. They tried all this stuff. I actually think they wanted to continue, um, but it didn't work because otherwise why would they have kept bringing They brought in jungle variant or something or like um, Omicron soup or something, like, and it didn't work. So I actually think that they had to pull back. But I don't know. We're all yeah, just that guessing. Could be true. That could be true because, yeah, they were coming out with 
you know, another variant and another, and then the monkeypox and all of that. It just, it seemed to be no end in sight to, to me. I call it COVID clown world because I mean, after a while, it just, it just got so ridiculous. I couldn't even watch. I haven't watched the news since probably 2021. I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it. Why would you? Yeah. I mean, it's just absurd. I can't do it at all. Um, but I think that it's, it's been wonderful. The experience, like I said, I was thrust onto the scene. I started Nurse Freedom Network, um, which, you know, initially was just, uh, you know, a small 501c3 nonprofit organization. We were standing up against the unconstitutional vaccine mandates, all of the nurses that were getting fired. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and the majority of them already had COVID, already had natural immunity, yet they were firing these nurses. It was the most disgraceful thing I'd ever seen. Um, so I started Nurse Freedom Network and I could I was so excited that all the nurses were going to be joining in and we were going to be standing up and we're going to put a stop to everything. And I looked around, mm-hmm. Monica, and I was like, where's everybody? Mm-hmm. Oh. I felt like I was standing alone for a good portion of that the, the early days of nursery and early yeah. very few of us so i was really surprised because i think especially nurses could have stopped this really early on if we had just come together and realized yeah. that we had a voice and you guys saw that what they were saying in the media was not what you were seeing in the in the in the er in the emergency it just it just wasn't this it just wasn't and and yes some nurses did speak out and they they quickly got shunned and so it t- taught all the other nurses not to say anything. But if there was a hundred of you in the same hospital, but yet the, look at the end of the day, if there was a hundred of anyone in any job, it would have ended. Uh, like if if everyone had if, if everyone who didn't want to take the vaccine didn't when it came out, it would have ended as well. So there's a lot of barriers that could have been broken. So it's definitely not all your fault. I hope you don't think that. I know you oh, don't no. think that, but um, you know, it's that the firefighters the ambulance the police any one of those industries could have could have stopped this yeah absolutely and i think it was it just it was very telling i know that i can't remember what state it may have been new york but there were 11 it workers that shut down a mandate 11 it workers because they banded together and said no and the system could not withstand not having them and yes yes any of these industries to your point you know the police firefighter anybody um had stood up and said no we're not going to do this. It doesn't have to be anybody. The power lies with the people. And, you know, it always has. And people forget that. You know, tyrants have been around since, you know, all throughout history. And that's not the problem. The problem is are the people who continue to comply with tyrants. And that's where we need to start attacking and educating and empowering people to stand up and find their voice in the fight. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think people have forgotten how good it feels to stand up for yourself and I mean I can attest to that um you know when I stood up for myself it put me in prison for 22 days but it was probably the best experience of my life and it it did exactly what I was hoping it would do and you know it taught me that it doesn't matter what you go through if you are doing what you believe is right it's always going to be okay in the end and it doesn't you know everyone has a different everyone has a different purpose your purpose could be just being a great mum and that's so important or being a great whatever being good at your job or whatever it is not everyone's purpose is to go to prison it's just i knew in that moment because i had i've got no children and i've got a very supportive family and i didn't have a job i was going to lose or anything like that 
if it, if if I didn't say, if I didn't stand up, who was going to? Like I was the right person at the right time. I'm not a hero. I was just there and I just did what I was kind of told. And when I say told, I believe in God. And it was like I actually had a lucid dream three days before I got arrested of exactly what was going to happen. And it was so real that I told my boyfriend at the time, just so you know, if this happens, I'm not going to sign the bail conditions. And, I'll, and he's like, what, so you'll go to prison? And I'm like, yeah, probably. And three days later it happened. It was like it was like I was um, sort of like a puppet in someone else's show or something. And I, when it happened I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I was prepared for this. And that's why I wasn't scared or angry or I didn't cry or crack the poops or anything like that. I just said, oh, okay, yeah, I've been here before. And um, so I knew it was meant to be. And um, so but w- what I mean is it felt really good even though, People would be like, oh, wow, I couldn't do that. It's like, yeah, you, you actually could, and you'd feel really good about it. Yeah, it's, and I felt very called to this path as well. You know, I ended up resigning from my position as a nurse. I had actually been exempted from the mandates um, because at the time oh. I, I had left the ICU because of, you know, the the protocols that they were using that uh, remdesivir was actually very harmful, uh, and I felt, in my estimation, murdering my patients, and I could not continue to watch this happen. So I ended up leaving and started doing uh, telephone triage nursing from home. Uh, but they wanted me to not only recommend vaccination of everyone, including children, but they wanted me to tout them as safe and effective. And I refused to do it. Mm. Um, just, there would be no way of knowing that. So I resigned from my position very quickly. And I'm not the type of person to make, you know, rash moves like that. But to me, there was no, all, there was no other alternative. You know, mm. I wasn't going to put a paycheck before human life. And I felt very called to this path from from day one. And I have felt incredibly protected, I guess. I I felt Mm -hmm, like there's mm -hmm. been a hedge of protection around me the entire time. And it's not been easy by any means. I mean, there are struggles. There are, um, I mean, every day there's so, there's my stress is through the roof. I'm in constant fight or flight, but I still feel at the end of the day that I'm protected. And I feel like God has chosen so many of us and I don't believe in coincidences. I believe we all, we have all met and our paths have all crossed, you know, for such a time as this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. They're totally meant to be, meant, meant to be here for this. And you got to admit, it's, uh, it's not boring. Oh my you gosh. Know? What a time is- to be alive. It's, a, it's so <laughs> exhilarating. I, I love this. I love every it's, minute yeah. of this. To your point <laughs> earlier, can you imagine going back to like normal life? I can't. No, I- Look, uh, look. I, I'll be honest. I wouldn't mind just like a two week break from. Oh um, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, but like, like I, overall. Yeah, overall, yeah. I couldn't do it. You know, I feel I. I don't feel like I would ever be fulfilled again because there has been just there's to me there's nothing more fulfilling to be able to walk in your calling every day, and I've never yeah. had a job that has fulfilled me. I've wanted to be a nurse my entire life. And I, I thought I was fulfilled when I became a nurse and I was working yeah. and doing that, but it's not anywhere near this. And I fear that I would never be fulfilled again in any type of job or, you know, just regular, normal, everyday stuff. But to your point, I would love a couple of weeks to just kind of be like, okay, let's take it. Let's take a break. Just, let's just talk about the weather and movies right. or something like, I don't know. What did, what did people talk about before this happened? I don't really know. <laughs> Exactly. I can't even remember life before COVID. I don't even know what year it is anymore. So I was like, how many years have we been doing this? Two, three, ten? I don't know. It's so You know what? They say, people say that when you're doing something you love, you lose track of time. 
So I must really love this then because I never even know what day it is. Yeah. No, no, it's true. I mean, I think even people who aren't working in the freedom movement, um, if you look back on yourself three years ago, like we're all so much stronger, so much better. We know our purpose. We know where our lines are. And, you know, when when someone knows their conviction, where their line is, they, can, they can't really be messed with as much. And I don't think anyone would actually want to go back to that. So I'm pretty grateful for that experience. But also we need to be strong for when uh, the others wake up because they're going to feel really bad and we're going to need to help them because when a policeman who, you know, uh, arrested me or the police that shot at people at protests, you know, when they find out that the, how how wrong they were, it's going to be way worse than what we went through. Oh, exactly. I say that all the time, especially about the nurses, you know, when they wake up and realize what they have been a part of for so oh. long and the, you know, the, oh. the medications that they've been giving and not questioning, you know, because, I, you know, we, especially as ICU nurses, we are the last line of defense for these patients. Yeah. And so many kind of abdicated, you know, their duty right there. Um, they weren't, they were just following along. They weren't asking questions, um, which is unfortunate because, you know, and a lot of these nurses that were too afraid to advocate for themselves, there's no way they're going to advocate for anyone else if they couldn't stand up for themselves and say, no, I don't want this injection. And there were lots of nurses that didn't want it, didn't feel comfortable, but said, well, I had to get it because of you know my job. Um, and then they got sick and they can't work. Exactly. So it's like, exactly. what's the point? Or, or a husband, you know, a husband's like, oh, I have to take it to put food on the table, but now yeah. he's sick. And it's like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't really, I kind of, I do have sympathy for these excuses. I do. But at the same time, my opinion is that it doesn't matter how bad it's going to be, if you follow your gut, your instincts and you follow your conviction, you're always going to be rewarded and your family will respect you more if there's no food on the table, but you stood for yourself, then if there was food on the table and you didn't, that's my opinion. Yeah, we're in complete alignment on that because I can't tell you how many times I would say to people when they would, would tell me, well, you know, I've got to be able to put food on the table and I will, you can't put food on the table if you're dead and people are dying. Yeah. People are dying. And, you know, it's the more boosters they get and all of that, it's just, you're just increasing your risk and people are so many people don't haven't even connected the dots. Like they just can't understand why they are uh, sicker than they've ever been before. You know, they have all of these chronic infections that are happening now. And it's like, they're not putting two and two together that they have destroyed their immune system. So it's-, it's And when they figure out it's, you know, I was at an event last night and two people there had had um, two shots and kudos to them for, joining the freedom movement and of course we we're always welcoming them but it must be difficult for them to hear you know all these other people saying I stood up and I didn't get it and I did you know it it must be hard but we need to be kind to these people and also obviously try not to talk about the fact that you think they're going to die in five years or something because even if that even if that is true it's not going to help anyone by talking about it so I think really be aware of those people that are around yeah, and that's so true. And that's why I always tell people, you know, what we do with Remnant and we do a, we do have like detox protocols. I always try to impart on people like don't feel hopeless because at the end of the day, there is always hope. 
right? And there's yes, we there are solutions and we are working towards those every day. So there's no need to like live in this. We're not meant to live in a spirit of fear and we are not meant to live in despair, but we're meant to look forward and look for solutions. And that's what we're doing at Remnant Nursing and why I'm so you know passionate about the work that we do. We do focus on vaccine injury heavily and trying to uh, provide solutions and hope for these people who have all but been abandoned by their medical community. America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, or Alexa, 24-7, great talk radio. All of our shows go to podcast the following day. You can hear them on apps such as Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart Podcast, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. I'll catch you on this side of this break. Stay with us. It's time and this is The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer, this stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton. Wherever you're listening from today and whatever you're doing, I thank you for giving me the gift of your time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Let's jump right back in. If you're just joining us, we've been talking with Australian activist and freedom fighter, Monica Smith. Monica, thanks again for being here. No worries. It's been fun. 
It really has. And we've had, you know, some great conversations talking about just the complete insanity of COVID and, you know, everything. I think the experience was a lot different in Australia than as bad as it was in America. It was not nearly as bad as it was in Australia. So um, I'm just, I'm so impressed with the courage it took, um, you know, for you to stand up. And I'm thankful for you that you did and uh, everything that you've been doing. It's been amazing. But, you know, let's talk about, and I like to talk about this all the time. We've it's terrible what happened and we can never forget, but we've got to start moving forward. We've got to start building solutions. In your estimation, what is the number one thing that we can do to start pushing back and preparing for what's coming next? Because I don't see an end in sight. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously everyone wants an alternative society or an alternative system. I have no idea where to start with that, but there are people who do. But how we can how we can work up to that point, which is a big job, is simply by just creating strong networks around us. And I'm talking 15 people. 15 people in your local community that is like-minded can change the world or at least change that city or village. Because basically, if you can think of it like this, it's very empowering. If you think of every time you catch up with those 15 people, you're actually directly pushing back against globalism and the reason is is because they do not want us seeing each other if everything they did during covid with the lockdowns was all about disconnecting us and when you're alone you can barely come up with good ideas you need other people to bounce things off you and many hands is better than no hands right so idealistically i think they want us to be stuck in our homes. They want us to go traveling using a VR goggle. They want us to go shopping using VR goggles because they'll know our metrics and things like that. They want us to be completely disconnected from humanity because that's when we're going to be the most controllable. So that's a bit of a long-winded explanation. But my point is creating community groups, in my opinion, is the single most important thing that we can do right now. And the benefit of those community groups will only become super evident when another crisis happens, that's when you're going to be so grateful that you put the time and effort in, even if it's just a weekly walk or a weekly coffee, it might sound like, oh, well, what are you even doing? It's a lot. You're building these friendships. And I know this as with experience because I've made about over a hundred community groups in Australia. I mentored them. I, I don't want to sound like we mentored each other for two years and now I don't do anything. They've got their groups, they're off on their own, they've called them whatever they wanted and they're, they're building gardens, they're doing this, they're, they're there on each other's deathbeds, for example. It's they're, they're marrying each other. It's just beautiful. So the point is that is the single most important thing and, um, and, and before COVID happened, we had no idea what was going on, right? Now we are so much more prepared that it's almost exciting to consider how it would be if they tried to do another crisis again, whether it's a pandemic or a digital ID worldwide or cashless society worldwide, I'm actually really excited because all the work that we've put through, put in over the next over the last three years, will pay off um, when they try again. So I, I, I say, bring it on! I can't wait. <laughs> Absolutely, I could not agree with you more. You're you're 100 right, and you know, building and there's been so much division that has been caused by COVID and the pandemic and all of that. There's just been division in our, you know, our blood families, our work families, our church families, you know, the division is everywhere. And I think that the opportunity to have fellowship, that in and of itself is an amazing benefit of having these community groups, because we do feel 
alone. So many people felt alone throughout this. And what happens when we feel isolated and alone, our immune systems take a hit. So, I mean, that's just one more uh, way that they were getting us and getting making us more susceptible to whatever they you know, were, were unleashing on us. So I would 100% agree with you, building these community groups is the absolute number one thing that we can do. And once we, we see um, kind of the fruits of our labors, if you will, it's going to be amazing to witness oh, yeah. uh, how all of that comes together. I absolutely agree. And, and going on to a you know, we, we're, we're ready, yeah. right? I mean, we have to get in the mindset. Yeah, yeah. And I, I will talk about that, but also talking about division and stuff. There's also obviously division within the freedom movement, and it's putting a lot of people down. People are um, a little bit sad about it. And, and some, and I want to give a different perspective. And I just want to say, don't be too disappointed because honestly, we're human beings and we, we do have competitiveness in our blood and ego and things like that. Now, I had a, I had some inner revolution, revelation, sorry, like about six months ago. And I thought I was never the person with the ego, but it turned out I did have ego. And I had to really, um, I spent like a week almost with sleepless nights thinking, what is my part to play in this lack of unity? Now I've never, I've never publicly shamed anyone or anything like that. So I'm not one of those culprits, but I did realize that in order to unite, you do actually have to look within yourself at what part you play in that. But also what I did as well is I realised that these people that are lashing out at each other or at me or whatever is that they just haven't gone through that process yet. And also because there isn't this big crisis anymore and we're not all getting the views and the clicks and the donations that we used to get, people are striving to stay relevant. And so the sometimes the easiest way to do that is to point fingers at someone who maybe has a bigger platform or something like that. So all I see when I see people being divisive is, oh, okay, they just haven't gone through that process yet and um, they're probably having a hard time with the lack of views and stuff and hopefully they'll come around eventually and this is just human nature. So I, I don't get too down about it. And, I, and also it is... Um, showing us who's who in the zoo. And so when there is a crisis again, I think we'll know who to count on. Um, so, yeah, don't – and look, I think if you see uh, an influencer or an organisation, you know, uh, picking fights with someone else, you know, if you don't feel good after watching their content, you know, you can consider maybe taking a break because there is probably a reason why you don't feel good after after watching their content. And secondly, ask yourself, what proof do they have? If they've got proof, then totally we need to know. If someone is an actual scammer, then we want to know that. But you're going to need to show us proof. Otherwise, shut up, basically. So we need to actually help each other out at, at looking at what's true. So I think that's really important. But, yeah, don't worry. It's going to be fine. When there's another crisis, every, all of this will go away. All of this will go away. During COVID, there was no infighting whatsoever. This is the perfect time for infiltrators to come in. And infiltrators are not these fancy people in in army uniforms. They're they actually can sometimes not even be paid. They just come in and they just ask really clever questions, or you know. So it's the it is the right atmosphere for them to be working really hard right now. So don't worry. When the crisis comes, it's going to be all unity and it's going to be all good. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, you know, to your point, um, there is a lot of that infighting. I see it a, a lot in, in my circles. There's a lot of infighting and finger pointing. Um, and, and it is due to a lot of ego. And I think that a lot of people in this movement are very like type A personality. So it can be very difficult <laughs> um, for us to come together, you know, because we all have to have like we might have control issues or whatever. Um, but I think that a lot of it, too, aside from that is, you know, what, what we don't talk about enough, which is control we can't be so yeah. naive to think that this movement would not be infiltrated right we have to understand that some of this is very much by design some of these people are, are in here very much and it's been very difficult trying to discern you know who you can trust who you can't um and who's in it for the right reasons um i just yeah. actually did my my episode that aired last week i don't know if you're familiar with um, marty waters he's an investigative journalist um he has spent about two decades uh, investigating and working uh, around uh, bringing shedding light on controlled opposition in uh, in this space, and it was a very very insightful conversation. Um, so I, I and I think we need to continue oh. having these conversations. Yeah, I, we don't. I do, and true, but but we need to be careful not to fall for people calling people controlled opposition who aren't. Yes. Um, so it's conversation too. Yeah, it's it, like it, the race card, the same way you use the race card. As soon as somebody doesn't agree with you on a certain point, they're like, oh, you're they're controlled opposition. And we can't be using it in that way either. It's important to be aware and be vigilant, but we can't just be calling everybody controlled opposition because they have a different opinion, you know? So we have to be very, very discerning in that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the best thing is just, okay, um, have you got any proof? Like I can give an example is um, there's someone in Australia that has... Um, constantly says really terrible things about me and whatever. And um, someone on my page actually called this person um, controlled opposition. And I said to him, don't you be doing that on my page? What's your proof? And he said, oh, no, I just know. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. Now, even though it yeah. would kind of give me some gratification to to allow this person to defame this other person because they have defamed me, there's still, it's like, no, you just can't do that, you know? So if we can all right. hold each other accountable. Righteous and true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no, yeah, I, I see your point. Like, there's just no, um, there's no glory in that and in, in defaming somebody without, you know, the receipts in hand. Like, if you have the receipts in hand, great. Let's, let's point it out and let's, you know, make other people aware. If you don't, and it's just hearsay, you know, there's just no glory in defaming people for the sake of defaming them. You know, we always have to stand and do the right thing. And, and I think that's what makes us so, you know, vulnerable and tr but trustworthy to people that they understand that we are always going to stand and do the right thing. But it's also really, really damaging for the freedom movement. So you're actually doing the work yes. of the enemy without them even asking you to which is pretty crazy like Absolutely. don't do that work for us <laughs> work for us please we need you and that's the that's their intention you know all along um this year you know for people that are ready or they maybe they don't feel like they're ready you know we, we've got to talk about mindset and and being intel right I think that we are more ready and more prepared than we might think. But what is your advice to somebody who's like, you know what, I've had enough. I want to stand up and I want to do what Monica is doing. What would you tell those people, even though they might be afraid? You know, what's what do you tell them? What are your words for them? Well, like I said, firstly, 
find some like-minded people because that's definitely going to give you strength um, to to stand up and, and hear stories of other people standing up and 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 how good it felt. That's going to inspire you to maybe say a few things here and there in public or something like that. But I think mindset is everything. And actually my main message, well, my two main messages traveling Europe is always the same. It's build and maintain community groups. But the second one is to believe that we are ready. Um, so there was a there was a big event about a month ago and it was 202 events worldwide and it was called We Are Ready. And, but I love the phrase We Are Ready. Um, it's really empowering. And I also like the, the saying, fake it till you make it. And if we actually believe that we are ready, within some months months or whatever we actually will be ready and maybe not physically but at least mentally and if somehow we can resonate this message throughout the freedom movement globally the con the, the group consciousness or whatever you might call it would be super powerful and i actually think it would scare the it would scare the globalists a lot if we all believed that we are ready. It would scare them so much to the point where I think that they would trip up, they would make mistakes, they would do things too early. So, in, and, and when you believe that you are ready, instead of when you see a news headline that's that would have been scary, instead of looking at it and being scared, you look at it and you just laugh and you're like, okay, well, will you just hurry up? Like, stop talking about it and let's just get it on. Because the earlier they try, the quicker we can get through it. And the quicker our children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews can have a better life. It's going to happen. I believe that we will not win, but they will lose and we will win because of that. And the way that they lose is by us trying to kind of coax them into doing it before they're ready. Because, for example, to bring in the digital ID or the 15-minute cities or the cashless society, all those three things basically need to happen at the same time. They're going to need to get mass compliance globally or else no one would be able to trade with each other. So when they try to do this, we are going to have this magnificent opportunity to grow and unite and push back in a really meaningful way and change the world forever. So instead of being afraid of it coming, let's be excited about the world that we're going to have afterwards, even if it's hard for six months, a year, 10 years. I don't know. It's still going to be better to get it over and done with. So the point is we are ready and it's going to be great. Oh, absolutely. And I, I love this quote on your website. When I went to your website, it says, during times of psychological warfare, collective courage of conviction will be our strongest weapon. And I could not agree more. And it's going to be all of us coming together and inspiring that courage in others and getting other people to, to stand up and come together is, is what is going uh, to win this and as we aptly called it war it's going to happen and we just need to be the example like you can't wake up everyone yeah we know that now right. it doesn't matter what you show them but if we are like the cool kids on the block and we're happy and we're we're we've got purpose and we're we're strong people are naturally drawn to that over time so just be yourself and live what you believe in and look in the mirror and be proud of what you've done every day and because if you can do that, then other people will be proud of you too. And they will be drawn to the person you are and they'll want to know what makes you who you are. So, yeah. And I think that's a thing that, you know, we can't do too much of is wasting our finite time, you know, trying to convince people that don't have eyes to see or ears to hear what's happening. We cannot waste our time on this. We can try to wake as many people up as we can, but we've got to, at some point, we've got to move forward. And when they do, you know, wake up, you know, we embrace them. We embrace them yeah. with open arms. But until that time, 
Um, we can't we can't spend all of our time trying to wake people up again. They don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. They're not ready yet. Yeah, we tried so hard. Um, it's like with the vaccinations, you know, we we tried so hard to stop people from taking it. And now on the flip side, we're trying so hard to help get awareness for the adverse reactions. Like we're fighting on both ends of the spectrum and um, it's tiring and, you know, um, but it's the right thing to do. But at the same time, I, for one, for example, am sick of hearing about the adverse reactions because I did my best and there's nothing you can do now, you know? So yes, focus on the things, focus on the things we can change and you can plant seeds with people in a really nice and effective way for example i met someone on the streets last night in in oslo norway and it was a girl about my maybe a bit younger than me and she was definitely not on the same page as me but i was starting to have this really great conversation with her because when someone looks at me and i'm like yeah well my government put me in prison just for promoting a protest it always gets a really great reaction because i look so non-criminal um and then it really opens up this great conversation and then there was a pride march on the same day and she mentioned how great she thought it was. And then the person that was overhearing just started yelling at her basically. And I was like, Oh, you've just ruined it. You know, the point is I was going to just like, I was going to just skate over that topic and go back to government overreach and keeping cash alive and things like that. But so yeah, what I, what I mean is if you are trying to wake someone up, there is a way of talking to people without degrading them or making them feel stupid or going to topics that are too divisive stick to the topics that you know and the very it's really really easy to talk about keeping cash alive everyone can see that if you use cash the banks don't make the money the owner of the business makes the money there's no transaction fee everyone can see that talk about things that are common sense don't go down the rabbit holes or else you'll lose them yeah, I, I heard this um, analogy, uh, I don't remember who said it, but I, I, heard, I heard this analogy at an event I was at, and I said, you know, if somebody's thirsty, you know, you want to give them a sip of water, you don't want to hit them with the fire hose, you know, so we've really got to, <laughs> we've, I just love that, but we've really got to just, you know, work 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 it in and i think that there are more things that we have in common than that then divide us and we just need to focus on those things and focus on building relationships because once that relationship is built you know walls start coming down and we can start having those more difficult conversations and people will actually listen to one yeah and you're not the right like one person is not the right person to wake everyone up you know like focus on the people that already trust you you already have a relationship with you can't just like walk up to a random person and expect them to start respecting you it just doesn't work like that so focus your energy on the people that that you can actually affect exactly and like let's not be divisive there's so many things that we can talk about as you said that are just common sense and sometimes yeah. we just need to talk through them for people to see because they're yeah. just not, they're just not looking. Sometimes we just have, you know, our head down and we're just trying to get through life. Life is too complex, right? We just put our head down and just try to go on. But when, when you start explaining things to them, if they do have that common sense, they do start to understand and they do start to see. So I think that's important for us to do our part in that manner. Yeah. And, and like, like you're doing all you know, the, the pharma, the pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry is a good one as well. It's like, you know, just 30 years ago, they were 40, 30 years ago, they were selling opioids saying that there was no risk of addiction. And, you know, they've, Pfizer's paid the biggest criminal fee in court history, you know, things like that. It's like, 
oh, yeah, why would we trust them? You know, like sometimes that really does uh, hit a nerve with people. Yeah. And it's just like what I would say in with about the remdesivir when they started coming out and they were using this protocol, I was like, why are we using this? It's doing more harm than good. And I would ask the simple question, you know, remdesivir is an antiviral. And by the time that these uh, patients were coming to, to us in the hospitals, they were already past their replication phase. So antivirals, they rely on viral replication in order to be effective. So that was my big question. Why are we continuing to use this? It's doing more harm than good and it's not effective and we know why. And then people would start to understand, yeah, that does make sense, you know, mm. versus it's just the protocol. So sometimes you just have to take them and walk them through a little bit in a non-threatening way. If you and will. don't make them feel stupid, like making exactly. someone feel, because st- like sometimes people in our movement, they love to talk about all the stuff they know, you know, and it can be a little bit tiresome and a little bit annoying because it's like we all kind especially us we all know the same stuff and it's totally a waste of time for you to be talking about how the governments are corrupt it's like yeah we know we're living in the same same world yeah but even for the other people um it's 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 also yeah you just need to know where to start and um it once you lose them once you go too far on something that's it you can never go back so yeah you are 100 percent correct there well, Monica, thank you so much for joining me today and for uh, all of this great conversation. I feel like we could talk about these things for, I mean, there's just no end in sight to Ages. what we could, we could talk about here. Uh, so I'll definitely yeah. want to have you back. I am hoping to get out to Australia uh, this year uh, in the next couple of months. I know that there's some events coming up, so I'm excited about the possibility of coming out there. And I would definitely want us to connect and, and hopefully, you know, maybe we can collaborate and work together. Whatever we can do, this, this fight is too big, right? Right? For any one individual or organization, we all need to come together and uh, and moving forward to put an end to all of this. Yeah, cool. I will see you in Australia if I'm back, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm sure we will run into each other at some point, at some place in this yes. crazy, insane world we are living in. Yeah. Monica Smith, thank you so much. Thank you. And that's all the time that we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. You can also catch the Encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses as we walk you through all of these hot topics. We will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Kimberly Overton, and again, you can find me here every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Tune in tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, as I hand off the baton to Nurse Michelle. We are in a war for the truth. We are putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. Join us weekdays, different nurse hosts daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.